Hello, good morning. We are back with our show Europeans in. My name is Greg and I'm happy to be back with you today. I'm not alone. I am here with Amy Holland. Good morning, Amy. Hello, I'm here too. It's good to have you back, Amy. So for those who don't know us, this is the weekly show of Europeans in Catalonia, an association founded one year ago by a bunch of EU citizens in Barcelona to represent and defend the rights and interests of foreigners living here in Catalonia. So the association promotes the pro-European vote, disseminates information about Europe and make known the values of the European Union. If you want to find out more about the organization, you can visit the website www.europeansincatalonia.org or the Facebook page. From Jamaica to the world. So Amy, today the topic is about politics in Spain, Catalonia, the media. Tell us about that. Today we're going to be talking with the Matthew Bennett. Um, so Matthew is a journalist. He's a British guy, British bloke. He's living here in Spain. He's actually in Murcia. And um, he has been uh, doing bilingual journalism um, on all sorts of things, but mainly mm-hmm. on politics. Mm-hmm. And we're going to meet him. He's, he's, he's doing something innovative and different, which we could call factual news. Excellent. Uh-huh. That <laughs> sounds it's a interesting. Novelty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yes, we'll be talking to him today. Okay, but he lives in Murcia, so we'll have to call him. We're going to get him in on the phone. Excellent. So, just after that. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind, wanting to start again? Do you ever feel this so paper thin? Like a house of cards, one blow from caving in. Do you ever feel already buried deep? Six feet under screens, but no one seems to hear a thing. Do you know that there's still a chance for you? Cause there's a spark in you. You just gotta ignite the light and let it shine. Just on the night. Let it shine 
Okay, we're about to get Matthew on the line. Okay, so let's try. Matthew, can you hear us? I can hear you fine. Welcome to the program today. So we've Thank been you, Amy. we've been looking forward to uh, getting you in. Well, on the phone in this case, but uh, to meet you and talk to all the talk to you about all this uh, interesting um, new new wave of journalism that that you're doing. So tell us a little bit about. Um, what you do, uh, or no, no, first, let's start with, tell, yeah, let's tell, tell us, yeah. let's start who, who are you? <laughs> Greg Webb wants to know who you are and what you're right. doing in Spain as a British bloke. Right, okay, well, I've been in Spain for 20, well, almost 20, I first came to Spain 20 years ago. And can we ask uh, how old you are? An Erasmus, I'm 42, just. Okay, so it's almost half, 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 mm-hmm. he's half British now, he's yeah. half Spanish. Yeah, some kind, of, I always, when I get asked this question, by Spanish media, I will say I'm a kind of hybrid at this point. I've spent basically all of my adult life outside of the UK, mm-hmm. so uh, and, and in Spanish most of it. So uh, a kind of a mix at this point, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And and do you have like uh, some of us have like a, you know a British parent and a Spanish parent, or you just have two British parents, or no two British parents? I didn't speak any Spanish at all until I was uh, not a word until I was 19, and I started studying at university. I did a degree in. Uh, Languages and linguistics, and Spanish oh. was one of the languages I chose. Well, see, that was one of the questions I was going to ask because I do follow you in in Twitter, and I was wondering how your Spanish could be so good. Mm-hmm. So he has proper qualifications <laughs> in, and knows yeah, how to write. Very good. Okay, and, and then just lots of practice, I guess. Twenty years of practice, and uh, and although uh, it, as well as in different levels. So tra- a few years ago, I did lots of translations and things, but it was a lot of it was contracts or science or medical stuff or law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of gives you a deeper, you have to look deeper into different realms of uh, and levels of expert Spanish, shall we say. And that's actually proved really useful uh-huh. for the journalism. Right. Yes, I can imagine. So, And, and you have um, a thing called the Spain Report. Can you tell us about that? That's right. The Spain Report is just a project I started uh, six years ago now. Uh, yeah, six years ago now, uh, because I thought there was a, a gap, uh, generally speaking, in the coverage of what was going on in Spain in, in English for the rest of the world. Uh, back then, it was, uh, it was before Podemos and before the king abdicated and all the rest of it. But mm-hmm. there, was just, there just seemed to be a gap between what was really going on in Spain during the economic crisis and the stories that were being told and what was being reported on, uh, even by the major newspapers like The Guardian or, or the FT or something, which do good articles from time to time, but they seem to be missing lots of the stuff that was really going on mm-hmm. and what was driving it. So so it was a gap in the international media, you mean, in the UK, in the coverage of Spain? I, I thought it was because there was a, there was a, uh, the, so the sections of The Guardian or the FT or the, I don't know, pick a, a good quality international newspaper. If you go to the Spain section in their newspaper, uh, it, it looks like they're covering quite a lot of stuff over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually they were missing a lot of the uh, the more interesting bits that happened along the way, and they don't publish stuff that frequently. They have some good correspondence and things, but I thought there was a gap there anyway to tell the story better. And then in Spain, you have these uh, sort of expat local things on the coasts, or maybe in Barcelona about what's going on in Barcelona, or mm-hmm. down on uh, down in Malaga or the Costa del Sol about what's going on down there. But they're effectively local papers. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, right. So, um, and that's how I came to know you more recently in um, the Catalonian crisis. Um, you were doing an, a bilingual coverage of that, and um, as opposed to so many people who were publishing opinions. And um, I was, I, I travel a lot, so I'm always looking for just, you know, what is actually happening. But mm -hmm. when you tend to look in Twitter, you tend to find people talking about their opinion on what should be happening or what's wrong with what's happening or, or, or whatever. So we found um, Matthew actually just publishing what I would call facts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's good, yeah. <laughs> Which is Great. such a novelty, as I'm saying. And um, so we wanted to ask you a little bit about that, um, what your model of work is, because we, we noticed that um, you're a journalist, but it's like you're completely working for yourself uh, under some kind of crowdfunding-based um, right. thing. Right, so the, the, pro the, the project began six years ago. Uh, and I, when it, it began, just a, just as a personal project, I suppose. But then uh, I started trying to turn it into a business too, and I actually built a sort of little corporate mm -hmm. structure uh, for the first four or five years, which didn't work. So last June, it failed as a business, as a company, as a company rather than as a business. And I had to sort of go back to zero, go back to scratch, and and start again, but and think about how I was doing it. So. I started publishing in both languages instead of just in English, which was for the first five years. Mm -hmm. And I started doing things more in depth. And one of the things that I've discovered over the past year, now, as you can see, it works uh, brilliantly. And there are readers who support the work. You can call them subscriptions or membership or, or patronage or whatever you want to call it. But mm -hmm. basically, it's monthly uh, donations or monthly payments that all together, between a lot of them, support this work so it's a kind of and, crowdfunding and right so it's it's a kind of crowdfunding but it's a continuous crowdfunding i mean there are all of these different sorts of models nowadays aren't they mm -hmm. you can, it's somewhere between crowdfunding and subscriptions um you right. can you can pay as much as you want for as long as you want but the, the way it's set up at the minute anyway with the patreon is monthly recurring mm -hmm. contribution so so people paying it's, it's say, five euros or two euros or ten euros a month, and, and Three, in, right. indi individually it's it's not a lot. But if right. you sum up hundreds of uh, subs, uh, subscriptors, if that's the word, that's subscribers, right. Subscri subscribers, five or ten or twenty-five or some people even more, which is very kind of them, so and they um, and, and and between all of them, it, it adds up and it makes it possible. It really does, and there's no advertising, no. Uh, strange payments from political parties or companies or or dependence on anything other than readers and it's evolved now to the state where for example I don't know if you saw in uh, in June at the start of June end of May start of June just was just as the trial was coming to an end mm -hmm. I managed to travel to Madrid and uh, meet a source who gave us this document this moleskin diary that's been such a key yeah, the, piece the, of yeah, information yeah, the for the trial diary. Yeah, yeah. tell us about so this, that so this, Hang on. So, so this, so this, uh, so this, this trip, this reporting trip, uh, was a real reporting trip to see a real source about a real document, and I, and that was all funded by readers, directly by readers who are interested in this kind of deep journalism, and it's gone very much deeper than what I used to do at the start of the project. So you get into something like the Catalan trial, mm -hmm. the first day, okay, we need to tell people about what's going on in the world, uh, what's going on in the trial because it's an important thing for Spain, mm -hmm. let's start doing that on day one. And then, oh, my God, this is going to go on for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be really detailed. And there's lots of stuff happening here every day 
that's important for the story. Mm-hmm. And it's a full-time job to, to follow all that, and, and, and plus perhaps more than a full-time job. Maybe you need help yeah, to be able yeah. to publish it. Right, yeah? right. So there's lots of stuff I would have liked to have done uh, that I couldn't do because I didn't have the time. So if you sit there for eight or ten hours a day documenting what's being said at the trial and what's happening with the trial, yeah. and some of them were very long days, there's no time left to do anything else at the yeah, end of the day. Think, so I, I would, would have loved to have done audio summaries i tried to do that for a couple of weeks but there just wasn't any time i would like to have done transcriptions of the sessions but no time and all this kind of stuff so so yeah it was very intense yeah very intense very interesting i think we, we understand that we, we we want definitely to come back to the trial and that should tell us a bit a bit more about it but but before we we, we switch to the to the trial uh, so i we understand there is an audience there is there is a public interested in such kind of, of journalism uh so so why do you think uh why, why is it so? Why the audience is so much interested in, in, in this kind of work? Do you think they are fed up with the traditional media? Or, or that it's so, it's I, I think so think, bad? Or? I think so. I think so. So, uh, And it's to do with the whole debate that we've been having, not only in Spain, but in the world, about the role of journalism and the way journalism uses technology to reach readers and things like that over the last 10 years, say, has been this big crisis with technology and things. Uh, and everything becoming more accessible nowadays. So uh, I, I think so. I think readers understand it's a very important trial for Spain, uh, whether they're separatist readers in, in Catalonia or Spanish readers uh, not in Catalonia. It's a very important mm-hmm. thing for the, na- for the future of the nation. It's about democracy and justice mm-hmm. and sovereignty and what Spain is mm-hmm. uh, and who wants to be in Spain. So it couldn't be a bigger trial in that sense. And I think... It's one of those cases where we're actually seeing that that um, first draft of history. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And I think perhaps traditional media, I mean, one of the things I don't understand, even with Spanish media, not only at the trial, I asked when I was there in, in March, uh, just, to, just to confirm, and there was no other international journalist covering the trial every day. It's no strange. one from the BBC, no one from Reuters, no one from the New York Times, and it's this massive trial. But I can't believe historic it. trial. So and there was no one that, that was it it was me who was doing it internationally it's incredible it's incredible um, because that means that all the news is is like it's filtered. just yeah well it means it's you know it's just sort of being picked up by what someone else has said and we know that the local media right. and, and media in general has a bias and right. some some exactly. media in spain is com- almost completely fictional and others just has a bias but That's if you just want someone right. to to have um a factual based analysis of what was said and what was happening and then let the journalists work from that material um That's right it's super important. Um, so if you, if you're, I mean, if you, even if they didn't publish something every day, I don't know if the, the Times didn't have someone I've spoken to, some correspondents hear about it. it, just, it wasn't, they, they're not interested in that level of detail as a publication. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or perhaps they don't have the resources to send someone every day. Uh, or right. have someone watch it every day. Um, well, I'm sure uh, the, the Times will be worrying about what's going on with the Brexit when they have their own yeah, no, no, I mean, <laughs> fish to not fry. Even, not even, I mean, it surprised me, not even with the, with or the BBC or anybody else, but not, not even having anybody there, not even if they didn't publish something from the triad every day or every week, but just to have somebody there following it so that when something bigger did happen, they, they knew, what was knew how on. to report on it properly. Right. Um, and the Spanish media pretty similar there were obviously dozens of spanish journalists covering it every day at the start then i think it dropped off a bit with the elections mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were sent to do other things but there were there were sort of a, a handful of spanish journalists who followed it every day too from the from the start to the end 
but they have different formats as well. So um, we get into this business of how a journalist does his or her job and then which formats they use to reach readers. And most of them were either TV or, or radio mm-hmm. summaries at lunchtime or in the evening or whatever it was. And then you have these daily columns perhaps for El País or ABC or El Mundo, mm-hmm. which are okay as far as they go, but it's just, uh, again, it's just a, uh, a summary. Interesting. Okay, so so we get that, um, Matthew. So we're gonna we're gonna put some music now, and I propose we come back to you uh, just in in a few minutes. Okay. 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 Stay with us. We 
We're back to the studio of Cultura FM that was Walking to the Jungle by Kid Noise. So we, we, we're here in the studio with Amy Holden. I'm Greg, and we were talking with Matthew Bennett. We're going to try to to call him back uh, right away. Matthew, so we're back with you. So, Matthew, we have some questions. What are, what are your thoughts, having sat through um, all of the the trial, are you able to give us a synopsis? Because... So many Synopsis. people. So, so <laughs> many people told four, me four that four months of sessions in two minutes. No, no. Please. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some kind of an overview, because so many people uh, told me that the situation here, perhaps it's different for the people who are here to the rest of Spain, but it, they've become so saturated and stressed by it that they had to disconnect. So they weren't aware of the detail of what happened in the trial at all. Okay, so from a very high level. Let's see, it's a historic trial for Spain and for what's happened in Catalonia and what happened over over those months, two years ago. And what is still happening with Mr. Torra and, and the rest of them uh, mm. in some ways. So uh, it's very important, very meaningful for that struggle in Catalonia and for that future of what Spain is. As a, as a whole, it's been a fair trial from the outside. So there's, I know there's been lots of commentary mm. uh, in Catalonia and by separatists in the media internationally and and uh, and in Spain about how it's an unfair trial and the judge is doing this or that, but there's been nothing uh, from an outside observer's point of view that that was obviously unfair during the trial. Mm -hmm. So the judge has made, taken pains even because he knows that the only appeal that they can try is first via the constitutional court and then on to the european court of human rights mm -hmm. and that can only work in one of two ways either because the trial was unfair in some way fundamentally unfair in some way or because of some human rights issue so one of the points of this process which the prosecutor took pains to point out the other day in its uh, statement was that this when the when the judgment and the verdict comes out because it's coming from the supreme court it will be a final judgment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There will be no ordinary appeal possible. Yeah, right. even, even if you can okay. expect that, that it will be appealed, such an, an important uh, decision. Right, but, but not in the ordinary yeah. run of things. So if you imagine a normal, ordinary court in Catalonia yeah. somewhere and someone is convicted, I don't know, of robbery or theft or something like that, uh, by the local court in Catalonia, mm -hmm. and then his lawyer can appeal to the, re to the provincial mm -hmm. court in Barcelona... And then if they're not happy with that, they can appeal to the Supreme Court on some grounds. And that's considered the normal flow of appeals within the criminal court system in Spain. Mm -hmm. But because these guys were politicians or senior leaders, they were aforados. So they had this special legal protection in Spain, which meant on the one hand, they go straight to the Supreme Court and mm -hmm. get tried there. But the downside of that, the disadvantage of that from their point of view is that they cannot have they don't have recourse to an ordinary appeal. Yeah, yeah, I think it was important to remind this basic legal concept because sometimes we don't understand w w what's going on and why why such a what, what being uh, judged by the by the Supreme Court and so so. Thanks for for reminding that. Uh, I think it's important. Right, and also for example, with this concept of violence and rebellion, sedition, and what mm -hmm. the crimes are actually being charged with. So, so uh, you say things like rebellion and sedition to most. English people, and you go straight to the last of the Mohicans or something, and treason in the 17s. What do you mean, sedition? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some kind of strange thing. But sedition in the Spanish criminal code, the modern Spanish criminal code, is basically a public order, or it is a public order offence, like rioting or obstruction of justice or something okay. like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's that's important. Then there's a difference between sedition 
and rebellion, which is basically this idea of violence. So then you have to go to legal definitions of violence, not the sort of street violence uh, yeah. that you you and I might identify straight away if we're out on a Friday night. And you go, Clearly that man just lumped that woman in the face or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah. But the legal concept of violence and whether or not the legal concept of violence is applicable to what happened and whether or not it can be uh, it can be linked to the people on trial. Yeah, that was one of the key questions, of course, the question yeah. of violence. Yeah. So it's funny because uh, I don't know what the legal definition of sedition is, but when I was talking about this with friends and family in Australia – um, I said, this is this is what's happening here. And I didn't have a word for it because I didn't know myself how to describe right. legally what was happening. And those people all said to me, that's using the state to undermine the state. That's sedition. And I went, oh, oh, right. And then sort of realized it's a crime. And then th- because that, that, that was when it was happening in 2017. Of course, right. now we're waiting to hear what uh, this, the Supreme Court judges, whether they agree on, on that as well. So, right, there was, a, there was a key point. That's a, a couple of key points. I don't know what the crime is in Australia, if there's an equivalent. I did an article a couple of years ago, which I took down last year when I um, closed the, the Spain Report as a company. But um, it was, I talked to some legal scholars in the UK exactly about that point because I didn't know how you describe it in English law either. Mm. And the combination they came up with was there wasn't one crime. It was a combination of crimes. And one was riot, uh, a public, an actual public order offence, uh, and the, the other one they came up with was false imprisonment, um, because the, the what happened on the September 20th, for example, mm. when the court committee, the judicial committee, and the, and the police couldn't get out of that building for the whole okay. day because there were 60,000 people outside, mm-hmm. yes. um, uh, chucking stuff at them and being tumultuous, perhaps. Um, the, the, the scholars in the UK said that in the, in the UK that would probably be false imprisonment mm-hmm. right interesting okay so um Mathieu, yes i had another question can you tell us maybe where, where we are now precisely and what will happen in the in the following weeks so the trial finished two weeks ago um mm-hmm. after all of the witnesses and documentary evidence and expert witnesses and final concluding remarks mm-hmm. um now the the accused who are are in jail on remand. So nine of the 12, three of them are not, three of them are out, um, are back, have been sent back to jails in Catalonia to await the verdict and the judgment. Um, the judgment is expected to come out in a few weeks. There are two theories here. One is that it might come out early at the end of July before the summer holidays. and But that's a kind of outlier theory. The, the main Uh, Most most people think it will come out end end of September, October. But, of course, that will be very conflictive politically because those two months are just full of anniversaries that could be used politically Mm to inflame the situation. Well, Do they not have to um, give their verdict before October? Otherwise, two years will be up and then there's a limit to how how long people can be held in remand for. Because that happened to La Manada. Yep, you're you're right with that, uh, kind of. So there's... That, I think it's the 16th. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's the 16th of October is the two-year point for the two Geordies. So mm-hmm. Geordie Sanchez and Geordie Kusha. I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure it's the 16th, but it's around then. Um, for the others. And okay. that's, that's right. That's, so the two-year uh, remand period comes to an end. There is an option, though, under Spanish criminal procedure law to extend that period if they want to. 
Yeah. So it's not it's not yeah. a final two year period, but yeah, they, I think they will try to get it out before then. Yeah, because an extension that, of, the, of the of the of the time would mean other uh, yeah other events, they, they, other yeah, more exactly. accusations <laughs> of uh, political prisoners and things like yeah. that. Right? Okay. Right. So, do you think? I mean, I have a linguistic problem here about when I'm telling people in Australia or in the UK what's happening, <clears throat> and then you know, golpe de estado is that. How do you translate that? Do you translate that to a coup? Right. And, yeah. and so a, a coup and a power grab is the same thing to you? Yeah, it could, it could be. It depends what you want to do with it. But um, there, there are different uh, – so there have been different discussions about this idea as well and, and whether or not a coup is a, is, is a coup a crime, what is a coup, uh, what is a coup against. So traditionally, perhaps, if we go back to the last century, I'll think about Spanish history or what happens in other countries sometimes – a coup is, a, is an attempt by some group or generals or politicians to seize power, mm-hmm. to seize the, the government power. And what we have here is a, a regional group trying to do something similar. So the question is, is it a coup or is it not a coup? Well, I think it, it is a coup. If you think that what they what they want to do, they wanted to mm-hmm. declare independence. They wanted to override the Spanish constitution mm-hmm. in that bit of Spain and and have take off over, with a sure. fifth of GDP, <laughs> so that, that's a coup. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I think too. That's, but a, that's a coup, but in that bit of Spain, they, it wasn't a coup to try to overtake the central government. It wasn't with a bunch of military officers, but it was a coup in the sense that they wanted all of the power that belongs to the Spanish state for them, mm-hmm. okay. for okay. their project for. Okay, okay, thank you, Mathieu. Very, very interesting. Uh, I think we understand a bit better now. I propose we, we, we come back with some, some music uh, again, and, and in two minutes we, we're back with you. We, we have a lot of questions still to ask you, and, <laughs> including the coverage, uh, uh, the international coverage of the trials, and, and, and many other things. So if you agree with me, we, we'll be back in, in three minutes, okay? No problem, okay. Good. Just always so puffed, guy. 
Okay, we are back in the studio of Culture FM. Um, we were talking with uh, Matthew uh, Bennett that uh, we need to call back uh, right now. I hope Matthew is still still available. Bear with us while we just get him back on the line. Matthew? Yeah. Ah, good. It's good to have you back. So we are, we, we are here uh, we're waiting for you. Okay. So let's go back to, to, to the interview. Amy, we want to talk about now the coverage uh, outside of Catalonia, outside of Spain. Yes, I'm okay. very curious to know um, what are foreigners saying, um, what's their impression about what's happening here in Catalonia? And even people who are not foreigners, are they? because I think perhaps the way we're living things here and, and, and it's being lived in other places might be very different. So I'm just interested to hear your feedback there. So I think generally since the crisis began uh, a couple of years ago, then clearly the separatist camp has had the upper hand in international media relations right. and getting their articles and views published and put across in different ways. I, I don't know how they do it. Uh, I've asked some correspondents and tried to ask some questions. I, I don't know how they manage it. Um, money, money, you know, money. It's yeah. very, it's very, I don't know. Don't know. I don't, it's very difficult mm, to get mystery. an opinion piece in a big international newspaper anyway. Um, They seem to do it with astonishing frequency in different publications. Mm -hmm. The Spanish government, on, on the other hand, has been completely useless uh, in, in that sense. It's failed to get its message across mm -hmm. uh, yeah. in anywhere near the same, in, with anywhere near the same impact as, as the separatists. Um, so there we go. But does that, but does that actually, the people on the street, so the foreigners that you meet, um, does that mean that because there's been more um, press out there, a propagandistic press for this, for, from the separatist side, that means that people have swayed towards that way of thinking, or do they just? It's very visible, but they just kind of, you know, reject it. I mean, what 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 is the sort I, of? Feeling? I think inevitably so, because the, if we think about the way. Foreign correspondence is done nowadays, and and like we were saying a few minutes ago that there was no foreign media outlet covering the trial every day, mm. um, and sort of go back to a couple of years ago and how that was working. I think it's inevitable if that's what the stories that journalists are given or pushed or find when they ask, um, then evidently that 
version of what's going on will get more coverage than the other side if the other side does not press its version as insistently mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But for me um, Matthew it's still a mystery because I have I, I share your, your, view, your view your impression is that uh, the, the separatists seem to have the upper hand in the, in the international media I really don't understand uh, why to such an extent uh, we're all thinking about okay maybe money maybe some external influence uh, some people talk about the Russian influence we, d we don't know I don't know but uh, d d don't you have any any clue how, how can you get such a, such an influence in, in all the major media internationally I'm really interested into that that issue yeah no I don't know I don't I, in terms of I, I know I understand I share your uh, <laughs> lack of comprehension but I don't know I don't know how they're doing it um Okay. But perhaps, you know, <clears throat> the novelty is something worthwhile reporting, but the status quo is not. That might be part of it, apart from the Could fact be. that I do believe that the Spanish government was very slow yeah. to, to react in terms of their, their image. But <clears throat> Preparation, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I think, I don't know. I mean, I think if this comes down to story and reality and truth and facts and narratives and all the rest of it. Uh, I, I, maybe it depends what's why you need independent report, reporters doing a job like that, because at the bottom of it all there is a story here to be told and that the world could learn lots of lessons from and it's not about what the separate is kind of about but it's not really about what the separatists are saying it's about mm. Mm. yes there's well the things that they say and then there's the things that they don't say and so a lot of the claims that they do say are not necessarily true but anyway um have you ever been threatened or um put under pressure yes no? because um, of your reporting of this because perhaps you know the not beyond the typical stuff you get on twitter and, and messages in twitter no right okay well that's that's um that's there, a there's lots of thing. trolling and stuff like that and uh, nasty comments on twitter sometimes but that's just part yeah. of the job I think. yeah 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 but i think maybe the, the fact that you are based in murcia or maybe maybe it's easier to be based there than to be in Catalonia, maybe in terms of you know having people trying to influence you or this kind of, of thing. Yeah, it could be. Se separatists hate that fact that I live here. <laughs> they, <laughs> they really don't like it. Like, oh, you don't know anything about what's going on, and you don't. You know, it's mm. just rubbish. But they hate that fact. <laughs> well, they hate the fact that we have an opinion too, and I've been here for almost 20 years as well. So they, they just say it's you know it's not your country. You shouldn't have a say. And then I always say, well, I've been living here. I'm mother of two children. I pay tax. I have a company and I have a Catalan husband. So I'm, and right. even if I didn't, <laughs> even if I was living in the outback of Australia, I would still, in as, according to freedom of speech, I'd still be entitled to my opinion. <laughs> so <laughs> unfortunately, people are going to have to deal with it. Okay, so uh, I'm I'm glad to hear though that you haven't uh, ha copped too much flack other than the normal, you know, Twitter. People say things in Twitter that they just wouldn't say in real life. I think yeah. so. It's yeah. uh, that, that's interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you got any other questions for Matthew? Yeah, I think uh, we have. Uh, uh, yes, I'm more interested now, maybe to come back on on, on the kind of um, of the, the type of journalism that that you are you're practicing. Uh, do, do you think this is really the future? Do you think that the, 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 the traditional media will have to do something? They will change in one way or another. Um, what's your opinion on the future of of, of the media and, and and the media covering politics in in, in particular? I think it's an adventure and everybody can experiment still. So obviously the different formats and 
and and timings have changed over the last 10 years greatly from what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, for example, one of the things that I've discovered with the trial mm-hmm. is this business of the Twitter threads and this kind of very detailed reporting on what's going on as it's happening mm-hmm. and putting it straight on Twitter. But basically what I'm doing is it's just the notes that I would take anyway to write an analysis or a different type of article later on. Mm-hmm. So it's the same notes and the quotes and all the rest of it. But I just discovered that it was possible to, uh, to, to publish them live, if you like, mm-hmm. and people seem to like that. And Twitter is where a lot of people get their news. So yeah, yeah. but it's, it's also dangerous this this new way of of, of, uh, of reporting events, this new way of uh, this new type of media because now it's all instantaneous. You don't have it looks like you don't have the time for for reflections on the events. It's all about emotions. So I I, I don't know. And I have the feeling also that sometimes the traditional media are just following that that trend uh so what what to do if we want to you know to 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 to, to get the I right i think thing? there are two things so one of the things that i've discovered or reaffirmed as well with all of this reporting of the trial is that it's so very important to get the facts down now as it hap- as they happen ah, okay that's and interesting. have people yeah. first okay and even that is a huge job with something like a four-month trial yeah. when they're there for eight or ten hours a day so Because what happens, because of that environment that you've described, what Mm -hmm. happens, even during the day, during the trial, people in different political groups Mm. and positions are taking the statements and things that are happening in the trial during that everybody can see, and they're already spinning them in one way or another in favor or against one position Mm -hmm. or another. And after the day ends, when you get the next day, so you've got another eight hours of coverage and fun to talk about there so and and the, what happened the previous day gets buried and disappeared yeah yeah, yeah. so, so then if you fast point. forward a few days and try and go back to what happened and somebody says no this guy said this or this position is that this other way where where, where is the fact yeah yeah where is the reference the factual reference that we can base this disagreement or argument on because otherwise it's just people slinging Uh, opinions and narratives at each other so uh, it was one of the decisions i took was just to stick to the facts and what was being said and how it was happening Mm -hmm. i think that's the first should be the first mission of all journalism then all of all of the analysis and articles and interpretations can come afterwards Okay, very important message. I think it's a, it's a good summary of uh, of the right methodology and the one you are, you are trying to to use on an everyday uh, basis. Thank you, Matthew Bennett. I think that's that's the end of the interview. Uh, last thing I would like to ask you uh, is where can we find you? Where can we <laughs> follow tw- you on Twitter or on the website? And what's your Twitter handle? Just my name, Matthew Bennett. Matthew, Matthew Bennett, Bennett and the website. And the website is the Spain Report.es. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been really interesting. Thank you so much, Matthew. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Is that it? Yay. Okay. Great. Good. Thank you.
Cultura FM, Amy, that's the end of the program. We have some announcements to make. Oh, just one last announcement to make before we go. So, um, everybody who is here living in Catalonia or Barcelona, listening to us, uh, especially foreigners who uh, may not be aware they actually have the right to vote mm-hmm. and and uh, may have disconnected completely from politics. Who wouldn't with all the, <laughs> the stuff that goes on? But um, actually foreigners who are from the European Union who are residents here actually do have the right uh, to vote in mm-hmm. the municipal elections um, and, in, European and election. the European elections. Of course, I was just going blank there for a second. So um, to do that, all they have to do or all you have to do if you're one of these people is to actually go down to the local town hall and uh, ask to uh, register. So it's not um, empadronado. It's a step further than uh, del padron. So usually everybody who lives there is already on the padron, but there's an extra form which is called a manifestación, la intención del voto. Mm-hmm. And on that piece of paper, you just tick whether you're going to, you intend to vote in the town hall elections or the town hall elections and the European Union elections, the European Parliament elections. And uh, then 
when election time comes around, which will actually be in a few years from now. No, you never know. <clears throat> yeah, okay. We've just been through this process, but, <laughs> but okay. we, yeah, it could yeah. be faster. Um, then, uh, you know, then uh, you get your uh, tarjeta sensal or, you know, a voting card and it will tell you where to go and vote. So <clears throat> um, some people may feel that they're, you know, not represented or that they, they uh, don't get to participate or that perhaps we pay lots of taxes but we don't get to participate. But on a certain level we do and so mm-hmm. at the municipal level. So I would urge you all to go and to go and do that. You can also do that online if you have your um, digital near. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if so. you have questions, you can always contact Europeans in Catalonia. You, you're also invited to join us. So we have a. Uh, a Facebook page where we make announcements. We also have a Facebook group where everybody can join in with any opinion and post, mm-hmm. you know, any mm-hmm. artic- article or whatever they want to talk about. Whether you want to come on there and ask, you know, how do I, uh, where's a good language school or what do I have to do to ex- mm-hmm. to exchange my uh, driving license or join in a conversation. Uh, there's often a lot of conversations about politics. Yeah. Um, we also have uh, Twitter, which is uh, the handle is at Europeans in. Um, what else do we have? We have our website, europeansincatalonia.org, I think. Exactly. And on top of the mm. digital tools, we also organize events, conferences, after-work drinks. Uh, on top of all the activities, it's also a group of happy people. So if you want to meet your fellow <laughs> <laughs> expats here, uh, come and have a look at the website and the Facebook and, and, and get to know and us. And join in. Exactly. Join in. Exactly. We have lots of fun together. We have a few drinks and we uh, you know, go out every now and again and uh, have some fun. Uh, exactly so it's time it's time to say goodbye Amy it was a pleasure to have you with me today I'm very happy (laughs) (laughs) okay so we'll be there uh, next week Uh, enjoy the end of the week Oh